0: Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable and it is time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. I have a important message to bring. There's never been a time that I've sit down here in my home office to make one of these broadcasts or Bible studies that I didn't feel the sense of urgency and the sense of God's anointing Uh, upon my life, uh, to bring a message from His Word that is also from His heart, that fits the time that we are in and the circumstances that we are facing. Uh, Today I want to bring you a very serious message, but it can be a a message that can turn everything around, I believe, and we need God to intervene and turn everything. Thing around, uh, I don't mean that things aren't going to continue to deteriorate as we get into uh, the 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 time of the end, the perilous time or the beginning of sorrows. I understand what the scriptures say about that but we need a window of opportunity to to get our focus back on the harvest fields and the souls of men and women, boy and girls. Amen. We need the to be praying that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the field and at the same time amen, volunteer Volunteering as laborers. That doesn't mean everyone's going to go and be missionaries in foreign lands. It means everybody's going to the cleaners, everybody's going to the gas station, everybody's going to the grocery store, to college, to school, wherever. Amen. Listen, it's time for Christians to get that heavenly minded mind set today. Amen. Someone has said if we're, we're, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Friend of mine, if we're not heavenly minded, we are not going to be any earthly good. I'm not talking about quitting your job and sitting uh, on top of a mountain and interceding and letting your family uh, uh, do without. That's an imbalance. That's not wisdom. That's not what the Scriptures teach. I am saying that if we're going to be the kind of father, mother, provider, Christian leader that we need to be, pastor, evangelist, teacher, we need to have our eyes raised. Amen. Number one, that we might see the harvest field that is white unto harvest. In other words, you get it now or it's going to be eternally too late to bring it in and to pray and see what part we have to play in that in gathering. Praise God. Listen, friend of mine, the other is that we need to lift up our head because our redemption is drawing nigh. The coming of the Lord is near. And only thing that's going to matter is what we've done for Him. Nothing else in this world is going to matter. Having said that, I want to talk to you today on the subject, the angel with the sword of pestilence, out of First Chronicles chapter 21. And the context for this message from First Chronicles 21 in the Old Covenant is, spiritually and historically, is God's covenant people are drifting away from Him through ingratitude bringing disobedience. And it seems that King David was the righteous leaven holding back God's corrective judgments. And when David himself became proud and self-sufficient, underscore that, he numbered Israel to see how many men who drew the sword that he could present on a battlefield. And he committed two sins. Number one, self-sufficiency. No longer looking to God as his source, this mighty champion that said unto the giant, you come to me with sword and spear that threatened Israel, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And God gave a supernatural victory. He used a shepherd boy, literally, to bring down a giant that not one person in Israel's army, in Saul's army, uh, could dare to even think of facing. And the second sin was not only forsaking God that he once had his exclusive trust in, but substituting something else or someone else in his place. Look how this works before we read from First Chronicles 21. It said, Woe to the rebellious children in Isaiah 30. Let's read that together. Verses 1-3 through Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Sin number one. Sin number two. Listen. That walk down into Egypt, have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt, Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. Number one, forsaking God through self-sufficiency. Number two, looking to someone or something else in the place of God. You see what they did in Isaiah 30. They, they had, they, they had this sense that they didn't have enough military force as enemies constantly threatened them. And they decided to go down into Egypt because they had the means and the riches to do it to hire mercenary soldiers from that army that would not fight for the cause of God or Israel or they they would fight for anybody. If you paid them enough. And they went down without talking to God about it. They went down without considering. That they were forsaking. God as their source. And now using their own means. To protect themselves. Amen. Listen to the sin. uh, Added to sin here. That they might add sin to sin. Sin number one. Forsaking God through self-sufficiency. Sin number two looking to someone or something else instead of God. Look at Jeremiah 2, 11-13 and listen to it carefully. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people, you see, covenant people, these are the people. He's not asking for the pagan. He's not asking for the world. He's not asking for people that don't know God and how we're supposed to trust in Him exclusively. Listen, hath the nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which did not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens! at this and be you horribly afraid we read in isaiah woe to the rebellious children that's what woe means it means oh no how can this be oh no you're not going to do that oh no do you consider the consequences of what's going to happen if you do that woe unto you listen be astonished o ye heavens at this and be horribly afraid, and ye be very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people, here it comes up again, listen, have committed two evils. They forsaken me the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You see, the sin of self-sufficiency, doesn't leave you in a vacuum with no source. It means you're leaving the source you should be looking to, and you're going to substitute someone or something else. A cistern is that, uh, really, for irrigation, they would dig a hole in the ground to catch the rainwater, a big pit, and, and they would line it with clay, the sides and the bottom. And when it went dry, the sun would cause the clay to crack, and the next time it rained, it wouldn't hold water. Listen to First Chronicles 2.11 as we consider the sin of self-sufficiency and then the second sin of substituting someone or something else for the God that we should be looking to. Listen to it. First Chronicles 21.1 it said, and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Literally, he incited him uh, in one translation. Another said, he seduced him. The, the hedge is now breached. The covering is removed and God's judgment is fallen upon the entire nation. Listen, this was a serious sin. It's just as serious today as it was then. Friend of mine, I want you to know the devil knew as long as David, as the leader and the people following David's lead, kept God as their source and they bowed to no other gods and they, they, they thanked him for, for his grace and his goodness by seeking to obey him. No, nobody could defeat them. No nation could, could defeat them. Nothing could harm them. The devil knew I can't touch them as long as they're right with him. So what's his strategy? Get them in a situation where God is obligated to chastise them, to judge them for their sin against him. I, I will see them hurt. I will see that nation in peril because I seduce them to sin against him. Listen, in First Chronicles 21 and verse 7 it says, and God was displeased with this thing. David's, David's, David's counselors warned him, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And yet he overrode them and did it anyway. This is the pride that power brings when someone is a king for a long time and they're drunk on the power that they hold. They're not only a king, they're a champion. Everyone is singing the praises of David for defending Israel and and destroying the giant that defied them. Listen, and God was displeased with this thing. Therefore, he smote Israel. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel. And there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And in verse 15, it says, And God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. And in verse 16, it said, And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between earth and heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand, stretched out over Jerusalem. I want to read that again because there's a lot of different opinions and speculations as, as, as what, how we need to pray and, and, and who is the source of this. That, listen, and David lifted up his eyes and saw a demon, a devil, some, some minion from hell. No, he saw the angel of the Lord. This is corrective judgment in Israel because of rebellion. Flat-out rebellion out of pride and self-sufficiency. Listen, and David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between earth and heaven, having a sword drawn in his hand, stretched out over Jerusalem. Now look at verse 26. David repented. He, he, you know what he actually said, and I'm, I'm condensing here. You can read the chapter. He said, he said, don't hurt them. It's me. I sinned against you. I did it. I led in this rebellion against you. (laughs) And he built an altar to sacrifice unto the Lord. He saw that angel at Ornan's threshing floor. And he told Ornan, I want to buy that to make an altar and an offering unto the Lord. (laughs) And Ornan said, you don't have to buy that. In the trouble we're in, if there's a solution to this, he said, I'm going to give you the land to build that altar on. And and, and it's free. I won't charge you anything. You know what David said? He said, I will not offer God that that cost me nothing but I will buy it for the full price. Listen, friend, if we need a solution to a problem and we're serious about the solution, we can't short change God. Amen. Listen, God deserves our all. (laughs) He doesn't just demand our all as Christians to make a full-blown commitment to follow Christ. He deserves it. He's worthy for what He's done in in and through Jesus, and Jesus has done in and through the cross. He is worthy of that kind of commitment and nothing less. So David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord, and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of the burnt offering. When fire fell from heaven, supernatural fire fell and and consumed that offering amen david realized that his intercession was effective and now god is going to intervene praise god listen i want to i want to say something today and i want to say it in love and i don't want to say it in any sense of meanness or criticism But there's a collective cry today around the world for God to intervene in the fear and the uncertainty caused by the pandemic, the loss of friends and family members to its deadly toll. Plenty of calls for prayer, few for repentance. I want to say that again. Plenty of calls for prayer, but few for repentance. That promises restoration. I want to say that again. Repentance promises restoration. We serve a God of mercy and grace and love and He said, return unto me and I will return to you. And repentance, if we've drifted away, is necessary to return to God. We can't just return to God by just making Him our source again. See, it's a double edged sin, a double edged sword, it is forsaking God and substituting someone or something else as our source in his place and it might be ourself, it might be simply we are sufficient in ourself that's why the apostle paul said in the new testament with all of his anointing with all of his gifts of the spirit with all of 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 this great apostles revelations and insight he wrote 13 of the 27 books of the new testament if you count hebrews and i believe he did Whether he did or not is a little bit of confusion there, but one thing's for sure. He wrote the most of the books of the New Testament, the epistles. Listen, God used him so mightily, and here's what he said about that. Not that we are sufficient as of anything of ourself, for our sufficiency is of God, hallelujah, our, our sufficiency is of God, He is the source of all that we have and all that we are, and without Him we are nothing and can do nothing, praise God, oh friend of mine, There's this, this situation we're reading right here is very similar to the situation we are in right now. And I believe the Spirit of God is calling for repentance among His people. Listen, listen to this, this, this prayer in the Old Covenant. We've heard it so many times. Amen. Listen, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, did it ever occur to you that we don't have to be some kind of rank sinner going back into to some kind of heinous sins of the past? All, all we have to do to be in such a serious, serious violation of our faith is to forsake God, who is the fountain of living waters, and to hew ourself out. See, this is the sin of self-sufficiency. And this is the sin of supplanting, substituting someone or something else for that that we should look exclusively to God and God alone for. You know, he didn't say it was wrong to have another nation to help you in battle if you ask at his mouth. Self-sufficiency says, we got this. Self-sufficiency says, we got this. We can handle this. We don't need to look to God with all of our heart. We don't need to go to God and ask Him for His permission to do this. We're just going to act on our own volition. That is a serious sin in the eyes of God. And it brings serious consequences. Listen, David said, look, there's 70,000 people that are dead and it's my fault I led them wrong I could have led them in a prayer meeting and and personal repentance and calling the nation to repentance oh but he didn't he led them to self-sufficiency and he led them to trust in their own ability to defend themselves against the threats around them rather than the great shield Hallelujah. That David said in the Psalms, Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Hallelujah. Listen. David can now intercede, and so that God will now intervene. Listen to verse 27. It said, And the Lord commanded the angel. What angel? The angel with the sword drawn over Jerusalem. Now, listen, and the Lord commanded the angel and he put his sword into the sheath thereof. Uh, can you can you see that? Can you see the judgment of God against Israel, against David? And can you see the, the sword of the Lord about to come down on Jerusalem? Oh my, but can you see when David offers that sacrifice and he repents of his sin, can you see that angel pulling that sword down and putting it into the sheath? Hallelujah. A supernatural problem demands a supernatural answer. And I believe we're dealing with the supernatural today. The church used to realize that and recognize that. We as ministers used to recognize that, that we're not warring just against flesh and blood. And our problem is not just with demons and a hierarchy of demon powers. We get turned wrong with God. We have a problem with God and only God can fix the problem. But he's willing to. (laughs) <laughs> he's a merciful God amen because when David repents and builds an altar and I know what someone is saying right now oh, Pastor Venerable that's the old covenant we don't build altars there's no temple listen the New Testament is in covenant language there's a lot of covenant stuff no it's not the old covenant but it's a new covenant New Testament that word testament is covenant in the Greek We're living under a new covenant established through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And friend, it's a better covenant established on better promises. For the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than that of bulls and goats. Hear the covenant language in the new covenant. Praise God. Friend of mine, because we're living in this new covenant, we can Make not only repent and seek restoration, but we of self-sufficiency and of looking to ourself or something or someone else as a source, that can be repented of today. (laughs) Amen. We can return to the God of our fathers. We can return to the God who said, "'Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and thou shalt glorify me.'" Praise God. We can return to the the proper focus of our faith. Not using our faith just to get more material things, but to become obedient and subservient to our God and our King. Hallelujah. Listen. If we are willing to do this today, the Bible said in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you offer your body... (laughs) Hallelujah, there's the covenant language again What can we offer? We're not under that old system We're under a new and better system What can we offer Him? Amen That will please Him Listen and, 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 And will honor Him And will reverence Him And will represent His kingdom Instead of the kingdoms of this old fallen world I beseech you by the mercies of God God has given His Son to die in our place. Jesus took our place on the cross. What is the requisite response to that? I beseech you, by the mercies of God, Paul says, that you offer your body a living sacrifice. That's the covenant language. Can we build an altar? Can we offer ourselves in full devotion on that altar? Paul is calling for it. Listen to what he says. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your body as a Christian the living as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Many translations say this is your true spiritual worship, Amen. Which is your reasonable service, and be no more conformed to the this world, to the world. That word conformed is like taking putty, and pushing it into a mold until it takes the form of the mold. In fact, the Amplified says it very, very well. Don't let the world continue to try to shape you into its mold. Hallelujah. Praise God. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove or exemplify what is that good And perfect and acceptable will of God. Amen. Oh, dear friend of mine, we are suffering around the world today. And did it ever, did anyone ever consider that the reason for this suffering is because many people have been caught up in the falling away? And we're seeing the the church of Jesus Christ become polluted. By every kind of worldly doctrine, every kind of, of new age philosophy, we're seeing, we're seeing violations of that that is stated clearly in the Word of God in, of sins that have terrible consequences. We don't have a woe from the pulpit. We are not shaken like we should be, but we need to be. Hey Amen. Let, let me tell you how, how, how strong this call is supposed to be. Back in Isaiah, the prophet was told this, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. This is to be a clarion Call by the authority of God, speaking as an oracle of God. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and spare not, and show my people their sin, and the house of Jacob their transgressions. Where is that? Where is that prophetic voice? Where is that? Where is it today? I I listen to hear The trumpet sound. Trumpets were used in Israel for them to go out and fight and for them to withdraw from the fight and to assemble for worship. The sound of the trumpet gave them clear direction. I want to lift up my voice today through the Word of God. Read this chapter. Pray about it. We need an intervention. And it's not going to come if it comes through the medical community, if it comes through some kind of of antidote God would still have to be the one to send it but if we're dealing with an angel with a sword drawn there's a way right here to see that angel take that sword and put it in the sheath and I believe that the Christian community, the real children of God today new covenant saints I believe we hold the key and I'm willing. I'm, I'm putting, I've preached myself into a convicted corner just by studying this. And I said, Lord, I want to give you more of my life. I want the first love to burn once again in my heart and in my life. I've been serving the Lord. For all of these years, preaching the gospel itself for 46 years, almost half a century of my life, I've been studying the scripture, seeking to serve God and to please God. But I feel a need today, amen, to build an altar that is in my heart, in my devotion, to deepen my devotion, amen. And to say, Lord, I'm I'm sorry for the times that, that I haven't taken my walk with you as serious as I could have and should have. Forgive me. Forgive me the times that I got too busy to pray like I should pray. Lord, I appeal to your mercy. I have hope because I'm told through the Word of God. That thy mercies are new every morning. Great. Is thy faithfulness. Great. Is thy faithfulness. If you don't know Jesus today. All you have. Is science. And medicine. All you have. Is only. That that the world can offer. And right now. They offer little in terms of real, genuine hope. But the God of hope, the Scripture said, will fill us with hope as we believe Him. And the Bible says that if you're without God, you're without hope in this present world. But if you come to Christ today and you have your sins forgiven and you offer yourself to Him, as your Sovereign, your King, your Lord. Hallelujah. He's going to forgive your sin, seal you with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And He's going to keep you through everything that is coming, take you to heaven when He comes. In Jesus' name.